Well, hello there, listeners, and welcome back. Welcome to our first headlines episode. This is an unnumbered episode, the environmental news you need in 15 minutes or less. Now, let me just say off the bat, today's episode is probably going to be longer than 15 minutes because I need to set you up. We need to all get on the same page. Why am I doing this? Well, basically, over the weekend, I turned on my phone and I was inundated with news articles all about Chris Rock responding to Will Smith's slap, like dozens, dozens of news outlets reporting on this. I couldn't get away from it if I tried. And yeah, I read a couple of them. Like I like a good bit of celebrity news. But I had the realization that, wait a minute, if we're covering this non-consequential issue ad nauseum, what consequential news stories are being buried? And so I thought to myself, new podcast series headlines. So here's the format. I'm going to cover about three to four stories on these episodes. We're going to do three quick ones. We're going to have a break. And then after the break, I'm going to go into a little bit deeper about our last news story. My goal is to inform you of three-ish stories about sustainability or environmental issues or consumer habits that you may have missed because it's no secret to anybody that the major news outlets and the minor ones, right, they cover crime and entertainment, and celebrity news way, way more than they cover the planet. We're amplifying the stories that actually matter on this show, and here we are. So let's get into it. Today, first up, we're talking about hashtag stop Willow. Climate issues do not tend to trend all that often on social media, but one is trending right now, and that's hashtag stop Willow. Maybe you've seen or heard of the stop Willow movement. Let's talk about exactly what the Kokono Phillips Willow Project is and why millions of people are protesting it. Well, the Kokono Phillips Willow Project is a proposed multi-billion dollar drilling project in Alaska. It has not gone through yet, but President Biden is expected to finalize its decision on the project next week. If it goes through, proponents argue that the drilling project will create thousands of new jobs and will be a new source of revenue for the region. But critics say it will generate enough oil to release 9.2 million metric tons of planet warming carbon pollution in a year, which is about the same as adding 2 million more cars to the road. That's per year. I want to stay away from politics in these headlines episodes, and I plan to do that. I do, after I say what I'm about to say. It's important to remember that on the campaign trail, then-candidate Joe Biden criticized the Trump administration for continuing the United States' dependence on fossil fuels. So approving the Willow Project would theoretically go directly against President Biden's promise to end new drilling on federal land. The Stop Willow movement on social media has picked up considerable steam in the last few weeks. Over 1 million letters have been sent to the White House. A petition garnered over 2.9 million signatures. Celebrities like Selena Gomez and Haley Bieber have added their voices to the conversation. And so the larger question here is, will this organic social media movement, which, by the way, is happening largely on TikTok, Will this grassroots social media movement translate 
into a long-term impact of some sort? Is it going to shift the future of drilling in Alaska? Again, the Biden administration is expected to finalize its decision on whether or not to approve the Kokono Phillips Willow Project by next week. So stay tuned. That's hashtag Stop Willow. Next up, we're talking about zombie forests, specifically in the Sierra Nevada. Now, Let's set ourselves up for success by discussing what exactly the Sierra Nevada is. The Sierra Nevada is a large north to south mountain range in California. It includes a bunch of national forests. It includes three, a whopping three national parks, one being Kings Canyon, one being Sequoia, and the biggest or the most famous, I should say, being Yosemite. The Sierra Nevada is also home to Lake Tahoe, which is, if you've never been, it's a large and absolutely gorgeous freshwater lake. So the Sierra Nevada is a beautiful part of the United States. Well, researchers at Stanford University published a study last week, which found that a warming climate has left 20% of the conifer forests in the Sierra Nevada stranded because the habitat no longer suits them. We're going to call these forests zombie forests because they're cheating death in a way, just like a zombie does, right? These zombie forests, the older trees, the mature trees are established. They've been living for centuries, and so they are able to survive amidst a changing climate. And when we talk about these forests, we're talking about ponderosa pine trees, Douglas firs, and sugar pines, right? So beautiful, tall, gorgeous conifer trees. So they're still tall. They're still towering overhead. But here's the problem. The younger trees, they are largely not able to take root and grow and become mature and establish themselves because the climate in the Sierra Nevada has become too warm and dry for them to survive. So the older trees can survive in a climate that's different from what they've historically been used to. But these species of conifer trees, they're unable to grow back after the wildfires that's been happening in California, after the extreme drought that's been happening in California. And so what's going to happen? The older trees, eventually, they're going to die off. The newer trees that are supposed to come up and take their place, they're not living. They're not able to establish themselves. So what is going to happen to the landscape of the Sierra Nevada? Well, the study believes that... The forest is likely going to be replaced by smaller shrub-like vegetation in the coming decades and centuries. This smaller shrub-like vegetation is better adapted to warmer and drier conditions. And so I wanted to cover this story because the look, the feel even, of the Sierra Nevada, the beauty of the Sierra Nevada is literally changing before our eyes, thanks in part to our changing climate. Now we're moving on to some good news, which is the, quote, world-changing deal by the United Nations to protect ocean life. So let's talk about the oceans for a hot minute. Any country's legal authority on the ocean generally extends 200 miles, 200 nautical miles from its shores. So after those 200 miles come the high seas. It's called the high seas, aka no man's land. No one nation is in charge of the high seas. 
In the high seas, there's currently no policing. Illegal fishing runs rampant. Some vessels even use slave labor. The high seas are the wild, wild west of the ocean. But the new High Seas Treaty allows vast swaths of vulnerable marine ecosystems in international waters to be subject to protections. It will also offer protection for millions of organisms inhabiting the high seas, which of course is planet Earth's largest habitat. So member statutes of the United Nations have finally, after 20 years, agreed to a deal to protect what's happening in the wild, wild west of the ocean. And that sounds like great news, but hold on a minute. (laughs) Despite the fact that UN members have agreed to the treaty's final version, it is expected to take years for the treaty to be formally adopted by all 193 member states. A not-so-fun fact here is the United States is traditionally extra super slow in ratifying environmental treaties. But Good news at the end of the day, once the treaty is ratified and once the treaty does take effect, nations can begin proposing the establishment of new marine protection areas. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to go a little bit deeper into one story. It has to do with Poland Spring, the water bottle company. It has to do with Maine, my backyard. I'll see you in a minute. Mother's Day is around the corner and I have the best gift idea for you. Hold on to your hats. It's mylifeinabook.com. Every week, My Life in a Book will send your mom a question via email. They will compile all of your mom or the mom in your life's answers and create a legacy keepsake book. The book becomes something you and future generations can treasure forever. I gave both my mother and my mother-in-law my life in a book, and they've already started responding to the prompts. When my mother-in-law received her first prompt, she said, oh my goodness, what a thoughtful gift. And that's what we all want, right? We all want to give thoughtful gifts. So check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day, mylifeinabook.com, and use code SUSTAINABLE for 10% off today. And we're back. We're on to the feature story of today's headlines episode. And specifically, we are discussing Poland Spring and Poland Spring's effects on the communities in which it obtains its water. So for anybody who doesn't know what Poland Spring is, perhaps my international listeners do not No. Poland Spring is a bottled water company. They operate largely in the state of Maine, and they take water from surrounding communities and bottle it up and sell it commercially in these plastic bottles. I really wanted to cover this story today as the feature story for our first headlines episode because it really demonstrates the intersection between environmental issues and our consumption habits. So let's talk about Poland Spring. Poland Spring water comes from, I believe it's seven different locations in the state of Maine. Today we are talking about just one of those locations. It's the town of Denmark. And specifically, we're talking in the town of Denmark, the water arounding Long Pond. Okay. Now, Poland Spring does not 
extract its water from Long Pond. It extracts its water from aquifers around Long Pond. And Long Pond is definitely affected. By the way, can we just stop for a minute and mention that the term Poland Spring, the name Poland Spring is misleading. Doesn't it bring to mind like a gorgeous spring in the middle of a forest? No, no, no. (laughs) Nope. The water source from this specific situation is coming from aquifers, aka groundwater. And Long Pond is not a spring. It's a trout pond. Okay. In this small town of Denmark, residents are calling for more accountability, more oversight, more regulation from bottled water giant Poland Spring. Residents of Long Pond have observed this pond for decades, right? And they have been seeing something concerning in recent years, which is that their docks, so their docks that they put their boats on, are literally stuck in the mud because there just is not enough water in Long Pond. Poland Spring, the company, is allowed to withdraw up to 432,000 gallons of water a day from aquifers, but it's important to say that taking water from the aquifers near the pond is indeed affecting the pond's water level, and not just that, the town's water supply in general. So in return for the extraction, you might be thinking to yourself, well, Poland Spring must, you know, give the town of Denmark, some of its profits, its massive profits, it's taking Denmark's water and selling it (laughs) on a massive scale. Denmark must be rich. No, Denmark's not rich. Poland Spring pays about $34,000 in annual property taxes because Poland Spring does own the land in which it's taking the water from. And Poland Spring has donated money to several local causes in the town. But critics argue that $34,000 a year in property taxes and money here or there for the baseball field in town is not an equitable exchange. The town is not compensated for the water that's withdrawn. The town does not get a share of Poland Springs profits. And here's the real trick here. The permit that Poland Spring had to take from the aquifers was made in 2005. But every year since 2005, precipitation levels have been lower, and that has not been taken into account. The permit has not been updated. Climate change especially is fueling residents' concerns about protecting their local water supply. So Poland Spring says it tries to be a good neighbor and it cuts down on pumping operations when necessary, but monthly water summaries tell a different story. Monthly water summaries show that Poland Spring extracts more water in July and especially in August, those are hot, drought-ridden months, by the way, than in the month of, let's say, April when water is abundant. So they're taking more during the hottest months. So I'm not sure how Poland Spring is actually being a good neighbor there. So residents are concerned. Residents want more regulation. The town geologist who is in part supposed to be monitoring the Poland Spring water extraction process. Well, guess who pays him? His costs are reimbursed by Poland Spring. There's questions about whether the town geologist is actually an impartial source for regulation. And one resident said, quote, if we are going to basically give away a prized commodity, which of course is water, we better do it knowingly, and it should be controlled by the state, end quote. 
So we are in a global water crisis. And if you don't know, now you know. There is indeed a crisis going on. I did an episode on it. It was episode number 137 if you want to learn more about the global water crisis. So not just the crisis going on at Long Pond in Maine, but all across the world. I'll link to it in the show notes if you missed it. But that is our first headlines episode, my friends. Not quite 15 minutes, but close. International listeners, if you have a story that you think would be great for these headlines episodes, please alert me to it, send it my way. Other listeners, tell me if you love this. Tell me if you hate it. Tell me if you're going to keep listening. Tell me if you're going to ignore these episodes. Tell me all the things I'm made of steel. You won't hurt my feelings. I will see you on Tuesday for our regularly scheduled interview. We are discussing houseplants. Yes, we are. I'll see you then. Take care.